and welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Frickin' Aaron Wiseman. And I am here today with Dr. Candace Williams talking about change. I need change. Kind of like that. I had to give a shout out because not only is Dr. Candace Williams an anesthesiologist and pain expert, but she is a musician and fellow coach specifically for medical students getting into admission and pre-medical students. So listen into our real heart-to-heart conversation. I mean, we get real and raw today. Then stick around afterwards for my kick of encouragement. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Candace Williams. It's so great to see you in person. Hey. <laughs> We've been yes. doing so much online talk. It's always good to see your smiling face. So I'm just so happy to have you here today. Tell the people a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm from Los Angeles originally. I'm an anesthesiologist, pain medicine doctor, turned uh, pre-medical coach, and we'll get into that. <laughs> I'm also a musician, a keyboard player organist and a wife a mom of three beautiful girls and i was gonna say you're a hashtag mama three too so hashtag mama of three <laughs> it's a busy busy life but yeah that's that's a, that's me in a nutshell uh pretty laid back la west coast living <laughs> as they say i love it i love it and we met through the magic of the internet and have been talking for like months and just kind of missing mm-hmm. each other. And then it's just like the stars aligned and, and we're just going. You're in Physician Coaching Alliance now mm-hmm. and we're doing this <laughs> podcast and just excited for all the stuff that you're doing in the pre-med and medical school realm. And I'm excited to talk about your word today, which yes. is change. So tell me all about that and why you picked that, even though I have little suspicion, but tell me anyway. Change is something that was always difficult for me, uh, being an anesthesiologist and coming through the ranks of medical training, as you know, you're, it's ingrained to stay on the same path. If you don't get off of the carousel that you'll make it through medicine. And, you know, my times in training were difficult, especially being pregnant twice in the same residency program and then having my third child as a pain attending, um, you know, I had that ingrained in me, just stay on the path, keep, keep on the path. And then I, at one point I had to ask myself, well, where is this path taking me? And am I happy <laughs> with where I'm going? And I realized, especially doing operating room anesthesiology, that that was not my thing. I knew, you know, deep down that uh, I was definitely doing it to keep the bills going right. We have all the things we have to pay for and to keep things flowing. But when I started to really feel kind of desperate and despondent about things and life in general, I knew I needed to make a change. And I knew deep down what some of those changes needed to be. It's just for years and years, I denied it, which was basically that I've loved music since I was seven years old. I've wanted to be a pianist and an organist all that time, but I suppressed it because I have family members who are really prolific in it. And so I took that as like, oh, well, I'm not as good at them, so I can't do that. That's one part of it. So a confidence thing. But the other thing was 
in the medical space, that wasn't as common, nor was it understood. So it was kind of, I didn't keep it secret. People who knew me knew I loved music. I couldn't, I couldn't hide that at all, but I just felt out of place. I felt fish out of water all the time because I felt like I should be doing something else, which was making music. So in September of last year, I decided to make that change and the change came very abruptly. It was, it was something that I felt personally led by God to do. That's my personal belief system. And once I felt like, okay, this is the time to do it. It started off, it was supposed to be a vacation. I remember the emails you sent me on this. (laughs) And a vacation turned into not going back (laughs) at all. And of course the whole way I was, pulling teeth. It was pulling teeth because I was questioning, like, I don't have a safety net. I don't have a savings. I'm not ready for this. But it was something that was so freeing about finally making music. I wrote five songs in a month, which I hadn't written any songs ever in my life. This is what I've been wanting to do the whole time. And there was something just settling about it and calming about it in a way that is hard to really describe. So the changes were very interesting. I've been through a few iterations of this, but even with all the financial difficulty and everything, um, learning how to free myself to express that part of myself fully was a big change. <laughs> the second thing is is having full trust in God that, okay, we're going to be taken care of. And then once I started to really say, okay, I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to write my albums. And then I I decided to restart my pre-med coaching service because I had this before, but I didn't really monetize it. I've been helping pre-medical students and medical students for about 15 years plus and giving them all this wonderful advice (laughs) for free. And so once I decided to move in the direction and do both, then COVID hit. (laughs) So that's another change. (laughs) So I've had to learn how to build both businesses out and do business without being in contact with people. So that's another huge change in hurdle that has challenged my faith and challenged me in different ways, but I feel like I've grown exponentially from it. So. Yeah. And it's amazing too, that, and I feel this in my own life is that sometimes we're so like change avoidant that it kills that creativity like it squashes it i could not write a song to save my life and i i'm a a keyboard player like i play melodies and chords all day long but i had no creativity because i was so bogged down with what was happening like the just work and stress and patience and all, all that it just clouded my mind so much it was amazing what happened once i just stopped doing it i just stopped entirely and i was like wow there's lots of music here. <laughs> Who knew? Right. Yeah. Because it's when you're in that space of just desperate despair, it, mm-hmm. it is, it really does. It just kind of just suppresses everything. And you don't even realize how self-imposed that is until like you said, the vacation that turned into the never going back when it was like a wet blanket tech off of you. You're like, Oh, this isn't too bad. And of course there's the scary with oh, it. Yeah. You know, the financial. Oh girl. Yeah. I'm still in that. That's I'm, I'm the full disclosure. Listen, I could give you my cash app if you would like to <laughs> contribute. <laughs> Listen, I have no shame in that. It is rough, but that process of, of inherent trust 
and confidence in God and myself that, okay, I know I'm not going to fall. This has to work out because this is such a long time coming that, yeah, it's learning the not worrying part, (laughs) really like getting rid of that anxiety piece. That's a daily struggle because I know in what's happening right now, people feel so out of control because there's so much changing, right? Every day. And again, the despair, I want to touch on that because there's, of course, been some things in the news about different people taking their lives. Um, And I don't say that lightly, meaning it's not a criminal act, but but getting to that point of despair where you feel like you no longer belong here. Uh, I was at that point, you know, and that did it for me. Once I started to have those those thoughts like, well, they'd be better off without me. I don't even know why I'm here. I'm trapped. I was like, wait a minute. That's not me. That's not my normal inner voice. I know. I was like, this is not, I didn't want to be that, oh, she was so great. She was such a wonderful person. We had no clue that she was at that point of desperation. I just, I literally saw like the headstone and everything. And I was like, no, 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 no. Not gonna be me. Not gonna be me. I choose life <laughs> before medicine. I don't. I want to be here, cause I love my family. I love my life, and that is really what jarred the change for me. That's let that let me know. Okay, I gotta take. That was before when I decided to take the vacation. I was like, oh, I have to do this. This this has to be done, and that is what kept me from going back. <laughs> Too, you know, it's that that feeling. I was like, I don't want that again. And, you know, I, I understand that the stresses from medicine can push you emotionally into so many different corners and you feel so like backed against a wall. And we take on, especially as women, we take on the burdens of our families and everything on our shoulders. And it's like, I have to do it all. And I realized like, I, I have a wonderful husband and partner. I love him very much. He is very capable. Exactly. <laughs> I, don't have to, I don't have to do it all by myself. I have a wonderful mom. My father is deceased, God rest his soul. But my sister who's here and my family members, you know, it, you take that help for granted and you, you, you feel like, well, I have to do this all for them. And it's the opposite. I just thought about it this way. How would they feel if I was no longer here? You know, and how, how would they feel like, oh, we had no idea that she felt like she had to do this for us. They would rather be here, right? And that's, for me, that was... That was it. That was the bottom line. Yeah, because that's so true. You are not the only one. There are thousands of other female physicians, probably as we speak right now, who have either been in this position or are currently in this position. Absolutely. And I, I really am just empowered by your words to speak that into to reality to say, like, there's always another path, no matter how, like, we're scrappy. And, yeah. you know, like, you know, when you get your back up against the wall and you start losing your fight and you're thinking about other ways, that's when you have to reach out for help mm-hmm. and taking a break, right? you know, and just realizing that this job, this profession, it, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. No. And it's just because it, I think it's so deep in my soul too, because I've been in yeah. the depths and know, I know what that is like. And it's just, gosh, it's just so powerful to be able to look that in the face and say, no, I don't pick you. Like, I am going to figure out another way. 
but it's so easy to get down that path. I feel like the medical conditioning of like, you have to be like this. You should be like that. You shouldn't do that. Good doctors don't do it like this. You know, all the shoulda, couldas, have tos can wedge you into that. I will tell you this in full transparency. It's the personal responsibility, but you know, also on top of that, it's the, sometimes we put things on ourselves because of where we're from, our race. You carry your ancestors and people die because, you know, and as African-American women, there's not a lot of us, right? So (laughs) of course you feel that guilt, like, oh, you have to hold the door open for people behind you and you have to do this because of the, and what I realized is, well, I practiced medicine for eight years, just about after graduation. I'm not a new grad. That's getting towards mid-career. So it's like, I did it and I tried it. (laughs) I had to tell my mom, I said, listen, I've done this for a while now, right? I tried it and this is where it brought me to. So now I'm trying something else, writing a new chapter, writing a new song. Correct. Like sometimes, especially our closest people, you know, our, our, our parents, you know, the people who are closest to us, I understand that they won't understand. And that's the part that I had to accept. They may not understand. Now my mom does, she understands now, but I had to kind of have those tough talks of like, listen, same for my family in the midst of it they had no idea but afterwards now they get it yeah 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 just and i think there's a bravery in being able to speak up to your closest people who see you in a certain way and it's like listen i'm not superwoman i don't have a cape (laughs) i really don't And, and this is where i'm at um and to be transparent and i think our our spouses usually are the ones who they know they see you first. Like my husband knew he was like, what's wrong with you? Something is not mm-hmm. settling right. And I had to tell him like, listen, this is, I know financially this isn't so great, but this is what I need to do. And and, and I am grateful that he was totally hundred percent in my corner. That really helped things a lot because otherwise it just feels bad when you feel guilted. Like, Oh, we have to make this money. You're not doing this. So it's your fault. That just, that's just, just not not good. So I'm, I'm happy that that wasn't the scenario for me, but I, I know that for some people it is, and even if it is, like you still have to choose yourself. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's like you still have to choose life versus any other alternatives. And you're, you're right, it's, this is the part, it's not the, the happiest thing to talk about, but this is, these are the things that we hide and the things we don't discuss especially as anesthesiologists I just I don't know I just find that my specialty tends to be a judgment a lot uh, you know love you <laughs> anesthesiologists but you guys <laughs> we judge each other right and we don't speak up about our insecurities and the things that make us cry at night and the patients we lost that haunt us when we close our eyes you know that and that's the other part right and and for me, it was, it got to be too much to bear. I was like, you know, I take this in as a regular human being, a regular person. Other physicians have built the veneer. You know, they build their... The coat of armor. It doesn't mean that they don't feel... Yeah, they, but they, their armor's built up, you know, so they can take it. And I realized that, you know, mine never developed. I cared about people like they were my family members the whole time. And so when there was a loss, it was like, 
it got in too far to where it's like, ah, I can't do this. You know, other people, they're able to, they're able to take it. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt them, but they're able to function. I just wasn't one of those people. And I had to admit that, be willing to be transparent with that. So, you know, I'm grateful to honestly be here. I'm going to be just, you know, Frank, I'm grateful for life in another day on this planet. <laughs> yes. And I am so grateful for you too. I would love to talk about the brave things you are doing now. So talk more about your, your projects that you're doing, the ebook, the boot camp. Tell me about these. Yeah. So I'm a pre-medical coach and a medical student coach. And what I do is basically help streamline the process of admissions for both medical school admissions and the NRMP match, especially students who had trouble matching whether they're U.S. medical grads or international medical grads. And why, you know, I chose this is partially because, like we, we've kind of touched on, the journey into medicine, the journey through medicine, and for me, the journey <laughs> out of medicine, these different points can be very, very stressful and kind of murky times. You know, the pre-medical time for me was so stressful and just so mysterious. And people kept giving me all this weird advice, you know, like, don't do this, do that. It, it, I wished I had somebody, like one person or a coach to kind of come to as a source. So what I do is, in addition to pre-medical coaching and medical student coaching, I'm doing a medical school application boot camp within the next upcoming weeks. And why I'm doing that is because the times of COVID are kind of crazy. People's MCATs are getting pushed back and the students are trying to figure out, okay, what do I do now and how do I get my application ready? And since MCAS opens May 4th, I figured this is a perfect time to have a condensed six week intensive course with a group coaching format to help people get that jump start on their application. So when, it, when it's time to transmit, July 10th, it's been changed. <laughs> you can just Boom. press send and you're ready. So And you can have the confidence to know that what you just sent is the bomb. It's right. ready. It's been worked through. It's not slopped together. Right. And so why, you know, here's the other thing with, with the pre-med admissions. I've been on admissions committees before. Okay. And I've seen some of these applications. And sometimes it just makes me so like livid because the, the person could have all these great things, but the way it's put together is like terrible. You know what I'm just thinking? Wow. If they just had a little bit of help, if they, you know, it, they could have presented themselves in a, you know, better light. And so that's, you know, some of the motivation behind wanting to help students in this way. It's just that, you know, I've seen it. Like, man, you know, you could have been a contender <laughs> had you had things put together in a proper way. So that's my goal is to empower people to put their best foot forward the first time. Right. And to show up as the best self on that piece of paper or on that mm -hmm. computer screen, who they really are mm -hmm. so that they can shine through with it. Because, gosh, now more than ever we need those people who are the shiners, <laughs> you know, like, we need that. Right. And I, what's interesting is I was at a conference for, for physicians who were seeking non-clinical careers. And I will shout out Michelle Mudge Riley because she's amazing. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> she was my coach in the past. So she's awesome. So that conference was so great. And 
what's funny is when I told them my premise for my coaching practice, they were like, why do you want, if medicine is so terrible, and I want to talk about this, why do you want to get students into and through medical school? And I said, well, it might be terrible for you, or it might be terrible for me, but for somebody else, it's going to be great and what they always wanted to do in their lives and it's going to be their fulfillment and we want good people to replace us if we're leaving (laughs) if we're leaving we need people right now more than ever this pandemic has shown right not only do we have physician shortages but we need people who are definitely passionate about what they're doing and like you said we need them to be able to present themselves in the best light to be able to start the process. And, and I always, well, go ahead. I think the power with your work too is you're starting them off from the beginning, helping them to identify who they are, what they want, and what they bring to the table. And that is going to create a legacy through all of their education if they can keep holding to that so that when they start applying for residency, when they get out for that first job, they're not going to flounder around like Wiseman here who was like, oh, just take whatever it is. And that's a great number looking on the contract. They're going to know. They're going to know. And they're not going to have to wait till they get out and practice and go headfirst down the burnout tunnel. Because mm-hmm. that's what I felt like I had to learn later. And so I just think it's amazing that you are building these students up to to be who they are so they can stay who they right. are it's, through that whole career. So yeah, a big part of the first part of my course is just that. It's where do you see yourself? Why do you want this? Is this really what you want, <laughs> right? Um, that's also touched on in my ebook about how to get into medical school for non-traditional students. First chapter, like let's be honest with ourselves. Is this what you really want? It, meaning, do you have to be a physician to fulfill the mission that you see yourself doing in life? And if you don't have to, meaning if it's not the best route to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish, please do not. <laughs> don't step on the pad. It's, I've, I've, I've heard a myriad of things from pa- um, not patients, students. And they see, say things like, well, in the future, I want to affect you know, changes for communities or which you definitely can do as a physician, or I want to, you know, do these social justice things, which you can do as a physician. And if it's really tied to a medical purpose, I think you should. But, but then they'll say things like, well, I have political aspirations, or I want to do this, or I want to be ahead of that. And that's great. But sometimes being a doctor is not the best way to go about some of these other things. And so that, those are the things that I really try to encourage students to flesh that out. Because mm-hmm. I, so- And I think it's important, too, that you say, hey, the path is changeable at any point. Absolutely. Don't get on the railroad track and feel like you're stuck. Like it is there are exits at every single point. Well, here's the thing. We <laughs> I don't know if you've been on Twitter, but people have been tweeting away about the medical school dead and how do we get here and how, you know, why is it 400 K in debt and this and this and that. That's what make people makes people feel trapped. Because mm-hmm. once you go through the first year or two, I mean, I know it did for me. Once I hit, saw that first year bill, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Shit just got real. Yeah, it got real. And that means I got to finish this thing. And I would say from my particular situation, I'm happy 
that I finished, I don't regret any of that. Even the lows, the highs, any of any of those emotions, I don't regret any of that. Uh, but for some people, they need to step off earlier and go into that biotech career. For some people, they need to step off earlier and, and do that MPH and stay, you know, some people need to do policy, right? Um, and they use their medical degree. Some people are going to be medical consultants, and that's fine. My point is that I want students to know that up front. That's what I didn't. I didn't realize that there's choices out there. You can make your MD moldable. Even if you go through and finish and you're bordered and all that, you don't have to take every job. I just tweeted about this. Like, you don't have to take every job that comes your way. You don't have to take that. And so that's some of the stuff I'm dealing with too, because people have asked me, including my family, of course, you know, like, why are you looking for jobs and heavy this and heavy that? And it's like, well, I have an entrepreneurial spirit. I've always been independent contractor and I, you know, pain management, you know, I'm, I'm in LA, I'm still out there for pain management, but it has to be in the terms that would fit my family. I don't want to drive 90 miles away, 70 miles away to do, no, I'm not going to do that. So, so that's the context. I, I just didn't know that stuff, even all the way until being a new attending. Mm -hmm. Like you, I had to kind of go through taking the jobs that were just really for lack of better, they were just crappy jobs. And I had to take them and suffer and all that for my colleagues to be like, why are you working there? Go find some, you're better than that. Go find something else. But you feel so trapped on that one path and you don't want to change anything that you just take it. Yep. So yeah, that's what I'm trying to instill in the students is that, hey, being a physician is moldable. You make it what you want it to be. Um, now, while you're in training, you're not going to make anything. You're going to train. <laughs> you're not going to make it. I'm not going to. Now we'll sugarcoat that. While you're in residency, you're going to be a resident. And while you're a med school student, you're going to be, hey, med student. That's your title. <laughs> right? That part of it does suck. It's, that's just what it is. But after you're done, or shoot, before that, like you said, make it your own. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, tell people where they can go find out more about you and the boot camp and the ebook. Thank you so much. It's at my website, drcandiswilliams.com. You can find the ebook is on the front page. And then the boot camp, there's a page at the top navigation that says medical school application boot camp. You can click on there, find out more information about it. And I'm looking to get signups this week, hopefully to start next week, if not the following week, uh, to give more people time to sign up. But it's a six week process. And so I'm trying to get it between, you know, May and June. So that by the time the July 10th comes, people can just nope, press in. I love it. We're going to blow it up for you, friend. Thank you so Woo! much for coming on the podcast. <laughs> and thank you for having a real heart to heart conversation with me. Of course, I, when we first met, I was like, yes, ladies, genuine. I like her. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dr. Candace Williams, for coming on the podcast. And yes, shout out to Dr. Michelle Mug Riley. You are the bomb. If you guys don't know who Miss Chell is, she is like the godmother of transitioning to non-clinical careers. You need to go find her out. And I love her to death. So shout out to you. And she's got some upcoming virtual conferences starting in July. And yours truly gets to be a part of that. Whoop, whoop.
So yeah, check her out. I'll put some links in the show note where you can go learn more about the work that Michelle is doing. All right, well, let's do our kick of encouragement. Two things today. I want to talk about antidotes and I want to talk about this word of change. So I'm not talking about like mucamist for Tylenol overdosed, but I am kind of talking more about when you feel stuck, the antidote to that is action. When you feel despair, the antidote to that is courage. And pairing that with action is absolutely amazing. So I love helping people to remember when you feel like you're up against a wall, when you feel like you have no other options, think think of the three C's. So confidence, courage, and clarity. Those are the things that you need to be grabbing for. So what would bring me confidence in this situation? Who do I need to talk to to have courage? And what is it that I need clarity about? The three C's. If you can just sit back and identify those quickly, I guarantee no matter where you are on the path, you will make better decisions, more informed decisions, and not decisions out of fear. And so I also want to talk about that change, which I guess could be another C. We talked a lot about external change today with Candace about how her vacation rolled into a never going back and developing these different businesses and in, in these different parts of her life. But I also want to mention too, there's a component of internal change that we all have to be cognizant of. So I was recently talking with one of my clients and she sent me an email and it was like five minutes before I was closing up my day and it was, hey, I'm doing it. I'm quitting my job. And immediately I was like, can we talk? Because in that moment, though externally she had not submitted a resignation letter yet or told anybody, she had just made a fundamental internal change. And I wanted to walk her through that process and talk a little bit more. So I just encourage you to remember that it's not always about rearranging your house, getting a new car, you know, going to a new practice, the external stuff. There's so many internal shifts and internal changes that you can make that you may not even know are out of place. I'm a good DO. You know, we, we like to pop and snap. And maybe you have a little bit of osteopathic dysfunction going on. And you just need a tweak, a slight internal adjustment, and not evidently a radical external huge change. So that's one thing that I encourage as your coach is to really sift through it all and what's the stuff you need to change in your internal environment. Okay, so in summary, for this kick of encouragement, three C's, confidence, courage, clarity, and then remember that change happens both internally and externally. And it's really, really important to make sure that that internal environment is as fired up and moving on as that external environment. All right, friends, it's been so great talking with you today. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. And please remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters.
Changing up the 